This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. And Libby Hartfield is retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. If you step outside this time of year, the sound of croaking frogs are everywhere. But why do they call them the night sky? Can you tell what frog you have in your backyard by its sound? No matter if you're an experienced herpetologist or you just like Kermit the Frog from The Muppets, this show will open your eyes to the world of frogs. Today, biologist Joe McGee joins us to tell us about these leaping creatures. And as always, Dr. Major is here ready for your pet questions. You can join our conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 7464 Email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. If you ever miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning, everyone. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. So, Libby, last week on the show, we talked about hummingbirds. Are you seeing more hummingbirds around your house? Um, No, about the same, really. I haven't seen a big influx, so I'm assuming that my migrators have kind of all moved through. But uh, based on what we talked about last week, I have moved one of my feeders. They were... I think about 12 feet apart, but they were very visible, and I had a lot of contentions hummingbirds that were feeding up both of them. So I've moved it kind of, I still see it from my perch here on the screen porch. I can see both feeders, but they don't see each other as easily, and they are, they seem to be feeding more peacefully this morning. That's right. Our guest so last week. my news. Our guest last week did uh, point out that uh, you should separate your feeders and, Libby, as you're saying, almost where they can't be seen from each other because that way uh, there will be less territorial fighting over uh, the feeders among the hummingbirds that come there to get the uh, the, the sugar water. Uh, Dr. Major, what about you? Are you seeing any hummingbirds around your house? Yes, I am. We have... Uh uh, several regulars, I guess I would say. Uh, I don't see large numbers, but we are seeing a fair number. We're seeing a lot of uh, finches also, not at the hummingbird feeder, but finches. And we have a pair of redbirds that's there just about 24-7, not quite, but uh, they're there uh, just about every morning and night, the same pair. So we we have a lot of entertainment from the standpoint, and the cats love it, of course, watching through the window. Uh, it's good good for them. They they all alerted me the other night. Uh, one cat was a uh, long ways away. He has a big perch. He looks out of the, the uh, window, and then the other was there in the bedroom. And a raccoon had started to climb up the bird feeder, so they, they were letting me know. They, they were pretty observant. They know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the air, but my cat, again, he's decided he wants to get outside. So uh, if I'm not closely guarding the front or the the door, he'll shoot out there. But he runs out. He sort of runs to the edge of the uh, driveway and kind of hunkers down and looks around. And then he immediately turns around and runs back towards the door. So uh, fortunately, I don't have to chase him around, but it seems like he's just trying to get a little taste of the outside there. Uh, but then hopefully realizes he's got a much easier life inside uh, and then makes a beeline back towards the door. So, so far, I haven't had to do any cat chasing, which is which is good news. Very, very good. 
Uh, in the news, Java, our producer, found two unrelated stories. One was about a stray cat, the other a stray dog. They both had to have about two pounds of matted fur removed from their body. So, Dr. Major, if you could give us a fur 101. Uh, first, what is what causes matted fur, why it's bad, and and how do you avoid having your pet uh, end up like, like that? Well, that's a great question. Uh, the, there are certain breeds that tend to mat up more than others. Uh, we won't go into detail necessarily, but some of the longer-haired breeds, and it does it does happen. Uh, good grooming, uh, I would say combing or brushing uh, two or three times a week is one way to prevent it. Uh, and also, some of the animals do need to be sheared uh, occasionally or at least taken to the groomer and have some of this straightened out. Some of it has to do with excessive licking. If you have a cat, for example, that hasn't had any uh, mats and then all of a sudden you're seeing some in certain areas, the cat may be licking more uh, in those areas and it causing it to, to mat up. Uh, and so what uh, if it's untreated, what, uh, what sort of problems can uh, excessive matted fur cause? Well, we've seen some cats that come in that could could hardly walk because the uh, mats had kind of coalesced around the legs and they could hardly move at all. So that can cause some issues. And also, you don't know what's going on under the mat. There may be a what we call a hot spot or a moist eczema, dermatitis. Uh, very difficult to treat without removing that mat or mats. So that can all be an issue. Um, you know, we don't, we don't get it. It's, it's Felder's favorite line. I don't get any money from this, but, uh, I know that, uh, I've had luck with the Ferminator. It's a, a grooming product for both dogs and cats, uh, that helps get rid of excess fur. And, um, my current cat doesn't seem to like it, but the other cats I've had really seem to enjoy, I guess, the stimulation on their skin when you, uh, when you, uh, use the product, but it's amazing to me. And I'm sure there are other combs that do this as well, but when you actually do groom your pet, Dr. Major, sometimes you can be surprised about the amount of kind of loose fur that you can get off of a pet. Well, absolutely, and it's, it's good in a cat especially to use the Ferminator or something similar to remove that excess hair. Uh, it does cut down on what we would call fur balls where the cat licks and then swallows the fur and then throws up. Usually you find out about that first thing in the morning when you get out of the bed and step on it, but uh, the, the uh, fur balls... Uh, can be an issue. We actually have seen cats that have become impacted from too much fur or hair. So routine grooming is good. There are some cats that simply will not tolerate it, and those cats may have to be uh, professionally groomed. Uh, Libby, we mentioned hummingbirds, but we always like to get kind of an update from you about maybe some of the other birds that are uh, in your yard this time of year. What what are you seeing in your yard uh, this last week or so? Let's see. Uh, oh, my favorite thing going on right now is prothonotary warblers are nesting just on the other end of the screen porch that I'm sitting on uh, in a, a decorative birdhouse. It's kind of neat, but they nested last year as well. So, or, or some pair of prothonotaries. You know, they're, they're those beautiful golden birds by their very old name of uh, golden swamp warblers. 
but uh, they're making a nest and they're coming and going very busy this morning. So I'm hoping that'll be a successful nest. But it is right over my hammock, so that means I'm going to have to find a new place to be lazy and read. I may have to move the hammock, but I don't want to disturb the prothonotaries. They'll Um, find a place. I've seen And also, we've been finding, yeah. Oh, I was just going to tell you, we've been finding little baby toads in the yard, you know, tiny little thumbnail toads. And that's what prompted me to call Joe and see if he would come on. But I'm, you know, if I'm finding them, probably other people are. I photographed to go, and then Paul came in with one yesterday. So, Or I guess it was the day before, and that's when we called Joe. So um, other people may be finding those little toads or other kinds of baby frogs in their yards right now. One bird that I'm seeing that I've noticeable, I guess that I've not noticed before in my yard, and I've also seen it in the park uh, when I take my walk, and that is the cardinals. Um, would this be the time of year when you would seeing them, and have you noticed maybe more of them in the area this this year? Um, mine are very present, and like Tori said, they're on the feeder. I think I have three pairs that are here often because I have sometimes I'll have as many as six or eight because I've got a lot of feeders around. But uh, most often, there are about three of each. And they're year-round residents for us, so they don't migrate, but they're really active in making a lot of noise because they're defending territories and have nests now. And, you know, we've talked about this before. The female is also very uh, territorial. They, they are a very strong bond between the male and female, and he helps with everything, building nests and feeding babies and helping the fledglings fly and all that. So um, he's a busy daddy bird as well, and they both defend a territory pretty violently. They're the ones that can get trouble inside that they see another bird in there, and it's actually their reflection. And the female cardinals are pretty bad about that. But, um, yes. They're front and center right now, and they're so beautiful. Sometimes I forget how beautiful they are because they're they're so common, but they're also, I don't think it should prevent us from admiring them. And I feel obligated to insert my baseball joke here. I thought since they're not in St. Louis, we'll probably see more around here. <laughs> All right, it's time for our first break of the I was hour. waiting for that. <laughs> when we return, we'll begin our discussion with our friend of the show, Joe McGee. He can talk about a number of animals, but today he's going to focus on those summer frogs who are calling this time of year, so stay tuned. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. Libby Hartfield, and our guest for the hour is Joe McGee, a well-known naturalist and science educator with particular interest in amphibians and birds. So, uh, have uh, we, we got Joe with us. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Good to talk to you. Hadn't talked to you since uh, January. That's right. It's been a while. We were talking about the cool season frogs at that time. Things have changed a lot since then. All right, so uh, if people are out and about, what sort of uh, amphibian species, frogs and things are we hearing now in Mississippi? It depends on where you are. When I step out at night and listen, I can hear green tree frog courses from three directions. There's a pond to my southwest, one to my northwest, and one to my east. 
and they have loud, robust choruses of green tree frogs. If I listen carefully, I can hear the cricket frogs uh, calling from the pond to my east. And uh, every now and then I can hear the gray tree frogs. I don't have to go very far to hear bird voice tree frogs. I can hear squirrel tree frogs uh, at my house. In fact, they were calling this morning, or one was. I don't hear it at the present time. If you live in South Mississippi, you could all, in addition to the ones I've just mentioned, you might hear pine woods tree frogs, barking tree frogs. So it depends on where you are and uh, the time of day. And the best time of day for listening to frogs is, is nighttime, of course, about half an hour after sunset. Um, so I imagine the bird voice tree frog, the, the call sounds like a bird? <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, it's high-pitched, and it sort of has a wavering sound. Uh, it's one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite uh, frog sounds. I mean, is that just sort of by coincidence? Would there be any reason why a frog would want to sound like a bird? I think it's probably coincidence. Uh, I can't really imagine why it would want to sound like a bird. It it's, sounds different than the frogs calling around it. Now, that might help uh, the female bird voice tree frogs recognize the males. It's very different than the other frog sounds that we have. Um, and uh, what we've talked about this before on the show, but if you could remind us of the differences between frogs and toads. Okay. Uh, frogs uh, are more, have a more streamlined appearance. They have smoother skin. Remember, these are amphibians, so they, they don't have scales or they don't have hair, of course. Uh, and they are, are somewhat more aquatic than toads. Toads have a squatty appearance. Their skin is drier. Frogs have a, a moist skin. And toads have a sort of a bumpy skin. The, these bumps are sometimes referred to as warts. And you're actually more likely to find them perhaps in your yard than a frog. Frogs uh, are more tethered to water, bodies of water, you know, ponds and ditches and so forth, than the toads. Toads are a little bit more terrestrial. In point of fact, toads are a type of frog. I've often said this before. All toads are frogs, but not all frogs are toads. That's a good way to explain that. Uh, Libby, I wanted to bring you in. You were mentioning the the little toads that you've seen. Maybe you could uh, talk to Joe for a minute about that. Oh, yeah. And I sent a picture to Joe because at first I thought I was hoping it might be a little cricket frog, but it wasn't. One of the things that um, I remember learning, Joe, about frogs, too, is that their hind legs are longer than a toad's hind legs so that they're more apt to, to jump further, whereas a toad will kind of scoot along. If you see a toad, he usually has a hiding place in sight and he's going to scoot along and get there is what I've found. But um, what we've been seeing are fowler's toads, and they are the toads that are the most common on our land. And these little babies are really cute, and they do a strange scream at night. It's not a very pleasant sound, really, but that's been happening for the last few weeks. And uh, that's an easy way to know that you've got fowler's toads around. That's right. Uh Fowler's toads are one of the most common toads uh, across the state, but they're not the only one. As a matter of fact, they're not the most common one in my immediate area. But those little toads that you were finding, they're sometimes called toadlets, (laughs) those that have just changed from tadpole to adult toad, although they're not quite adults yet, they're still small. 
uh, and it seems to have happened much earlier this year. I did not see any toadlets last year until July, and here we are seeing them in May this year. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. When we're visiting this hour with our friend Joe McGee, well-known naturalist and science educator. We're going to be talking about frogs throughout the hour. So if you have a question uh, for Joe or a pet question for Dr. Major, or if you'd like to tell us your recent brush with wildlife and nature, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show by sending it to animals at MPB online.org we've got uh, craig on the line from biloxi good morning craig go ahead please hey good morning yeah i was wondering if uh frogs have ever been uh make good pets you know we we all have them in fish tanks as tadpoles and watch them grow and then they then they turn loose uh i was i was just wondering if they have been pets joe why don't you take a stab at that first I would, my immediate answer to that or my immediate reaction is no, uh, but it is very educational to, to maybe collect just a few frog eggs or toad eggs and have them in an aquarium with pond water and watch them, you know, turn from egg to tadpole to larger tadpole to finally uh, adult frog. But uh, I think most people would get tired of having to feed the frogs or toads. I w- I. Uh, I would not recommend keeping them as a pet. Dr. Major, have you ever seen a frog come through your clinic? No, I hadn't. Uh, I was trying to visualize that myself. You know. <laughs> I guess I guess the ones that uh, in my house that uh, congregate under a light that stays on all night, they could be considered pets, I guess, because <laughs> they, eat the, they eat the insects that fall to the, <laughs> fall to the to the That's ground, right. to the concrete, and they, they like that. So, yes, I haven't named them yet, but anyway, I think they probably <laughs> probably would be considered maybe a pet. Yes, uh, it, I think it's it's uh, really interesting to observe the frogs and toads that come to lights at night. Of course, they're coming to the insects that the, that the lights attract. Uh, tree frogs frequently show up on window panes, glass doors, and the toads show up under the security lights or lampposts eating the insects. That's a good way to observe the frogs and toads. I don't really think they make good pets uh, long term. All right, uh, Craig, we appreciate your call. Yeah, the other thing I would think is that, you know, we think about leaping frogs and that sort of thing, so I would think that they wouldn't really take well to being confined. Even if you had an aquarium, it would seem like it would be kind of confining for a frog. That's true. Uh, You would need a really large aquarium, I think, to make a frog happy. A toad might get by in a smaller one. You're going to have to have some water for the, well, for both of them, really. They like to get in the water and soak a little bit. So, uh, yeah, you would have to have a terrarium set up to have a frog or a toad as a pet. And for frogs, it probably would need to be pretty large. And I, I, I won't put a number on it, but just let's just say large with a, with a little pool of water at one end. You know, Joe, I was thinking about the aquariums at the museum that are really terrariums where we have frogs, and they're a lot of trouble. Yes. They're kind of hard to clean, and you do have to keep constant live food in there for them. So if if anybody is trying to do it, realize that uh, it's very hard to get them to eat anything that's already dead. So you have have a, a pretty steady supply of live in- that's right. They they need to see the their prey 
item move. They apparently are key in on the movement of the of the prey item. That's why it needs to be alive. Uh, so, Joe, you mentioned earlier that just uh, I think just after dark is the time to uh, maybe go out and try to listen to some of these uh, for these frog sounds. Uh, wh- is it they kind of chill out during the day because of the heat? Why is that the the best time to hear frog calls? Well, you can hear them in the daytime. Uh, I, as I mentioned earlier, I heard a squirrel tree frog calling here at my house this morning. From time to time, I'll hear a green tree frog call in the daytime. But the really robust courses occur at night. Uh, and it's probably for safety. It's a way the frogs can avoid predators. That's one, one uh, reason for it. You know, one of the predators of frogs are the wading birds like herons and egrets. And at night, those birds, are they're not totally inactive, but they're less active at night. So it's a safety factor for the, for the frogs and toads to do their breeding, act, and that's what it, the calling is all about, to do that at night after dark. And as a matter of fact, you can learn, one can learn a lot about frogs and toads without ever seeing one. You can learn their calls. It's, it's really not that difficult. And you can learn where they are, what kind they are, without ever even seeing one. Well, you know, that's interesting because you had talked about a couple of, of frog calls that we'd be hearing, and I was going to ask you to describe what the frogs look like, but, but I agree with you. A lot of times you hear, but you don't really see frogs too much. That's right. Uh, in fact, when we do frog surveys, you know, uh, running a frog, a frog route, you don't have time to see the frog. It takes a long time to actually seek out a frog and see it, actually observe it, you know, visually. But it, it's very quick. It's the same way with birds. It's very quick to, to hear them. So, you know, you might have a route with 10 stops and you drive along and you listen for five minutes and uh, have a really good idea of what frogs are present without ever seeing one of them. So uh, you mentioned that uh, the calls in, are involved with mating. So are the calls just by the males, or is there some sort of response from the female? It's, uh, the, fro- the calls are just by the males. The females don't call. They will vocalize a little bit if caught by a predator. They will give a, dis- you know, a, re- a release call or a distress call, a very brief you know, squeak or squawk. But by and large, the females are silent. It's the males that are calling. And then again, I guess maybe the robustness of their calls. It's you know we talk we try to put human behavior sometimes when we talk about animals, but I guess the males are trying to show off as best they can to attract those females. That's right. They're saying uh, you know they they in a way they're trying to outdo each other. They call very loudly and uh, trying to put their best foot forward, so to speak, saying I'm the best possible mate for you. Telling that to the females. Uh, by the lap call. It's very uh, energetic intensive. It takes a lot of energy for the frogs to call. You know, they call almost all night. They start, you know, around sunset or a little after sunset, calling uh, robustly or enthusiastically, shall we say. And they call till the wee hours of the morning. It takes a lot of energy. And they'll do that for two or three nights in a row. And then they fall silent. So you may go out to listen to frogs one night, and you don't hear anything or almost nothing. And it's because they're sort of recuperating, uh, building up their energy reserves for the next rain event, perhaps. 
Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, and it's time for another break. When we get back, we'll continue talking everything Mississippi frogs with naturalist Joe McGee, so stay tuned. Also, we're going to hear the squirrel tree frog call that uh, Java found for us. If you have frog questions or pet questions for Dr. Major, you can give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. This is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. I'm Kevin Farrell on Creature Comforts here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Our guest this hour is naturalist Joe McGee. If you ever miss any of today's program, you can always subscribe to our podcast using your favorite podcasting app or get the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone. So to join the conversation this morning, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 7464 Email animals at mpbonline.org. So, Java, is that the squirrel tree frog we're hearing again? Yeah. So... Joe, you mentioned that, you know, sort of the robustness and the length of these calls. That one sounds like that takes a lot of effort just to to do it. So I can imagine that frogs are kind of worn out after doing that all night. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I uh, made a little video one time of a squirrel tree. In fact, I've done it a couple of times, squirrel tree frog singing. And it's, it really appears to be taking a lot out of him. But they they'll do it till till the wee hours of the morning. So when when you're outside, maybe in the park or whatever, and you're listening and you're hearing some of these uh, frog calls, how many frogs are would you say typically are you hearing? Is it one or is it a group of them or or what's the answer, answer on that one? Okay, uh, this time of year it can be, I think, thousands of cricket frogs calling. There's a couple of ponds, or one is a pond, and one is actually just a big, wide ditch. And it is unbelievable to me, the sound of the cricket frogs at night. It, it has to be in the thousands. The number has to be in the thousands. I cannot distinguish the individual frogs calling. There's so many calling at once. It's just unbelievable. But if I listen carefully for a long time, in the background I can hear the gray tree frogs, and there are dozens of them, the green tree frogs. And once again, they probably number in the hundreds. But I think the cricket frogs, this is in my area anyway, certain ponds I know about, must number in the thousands. 
Well, that brings me to my next question. So we, we talked about they're doing this call. They're trying to get a mate. They're out there singing their hearts out. How does the female know, you know, frog A from, from, frog, from frog B? <laughs> That's a good question, and I'm not, I'm not sure I can answer that. But they do. I mean, obviously, they make more, they make more frogs. Uh, they have a way. They're, they're up close and personal with all this. Remember, they're down in the water or at the edge of the water, perhaps. And it probably sounds different to them than to us. We're hearing all of them at once. A female is going to be hearing just a few in, in her immediate area, I'm, I'm assuming. And uh, she'll pick one of those, or he'll pick her, perhaps, try to, and she, she may reject them. They, uh, they sometimes do. They will not allow the male to seize them sometimes. And I think we've got I hear cricket frogs. In yep, the background. yep. Java brought in the cricket frogs there, but that's a a recognizable sound for uh, those of us in Mississippi. Let's listen for just a minute. You know, Joe, what I like about the, the frogs, it seems like we're named because that you can see where they that could might sound a little bit like a cricket. So it's, uh, I think, uh, interesting how the the name sort of mimic what what we're hearing when we hear them call. Yes, and as a matter of fact, if you're at a at a park or an area where there are uh, people around, and you ask, and then there's a loud chorus of cricket frogs, and you and you stop them and say, "Hey, what is that sound we're hearing?" Usually, they'll say, "Crickets." They just assume it is crickets. Uh, if, you know, if they're not really knowledgeable about frogs. We have got some callers to get to, so let's go back to the phone lines and start with William in Greenwood. Good morning, William. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. How y'all doing? Uh, I heard my first, uh, uh, I think it's a spring peeper uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's that little bird, that big little uh, uh, frog that makes that certain little sound. Uh, maybe you could play it, but uh, uh, it's a wee William, are you hearing that this time of year? Yeah, I just heard it a couple of weeks ago. Okay, and, uh, that. And I already heard one, and I was I was sad because I figured he's not going to find a, a sweetheart. <laughs> well, she wouldn't be calling anyway, but I don't think it's a spring peeper. It's a little late in the year for spring peepers. They are one of our cool weather uh, frogs. They, I mean, they're around, but they're not breeding this time of year. What you're hearing, I think, and maybe Java could bring this up, is the uh, eastern narrowmouth toad. I think it, it, it's. Did it sound like maybe like a sheep blading way off in the distance? It just said a little, little, little a muted sound, and it didn't do it real loud. It was just sort of soft and just. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent positive, but I think you're hearing or or heard a couple of weeks ago the eastern narrowmouth toad. And uh, I can. Other, what were you going to say? I said the other frog sound, uh, going down to uh, just outside of uh, Vicksburg, uh, so uh, area, and it's it's uh, you just I don't know if it's a bug or or a, a frog. It's a sound that goes It's just deafening. It's so loud. So it, I thought it might be a frog. What, 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 are you hearing just one or or a chorus of them? It's, it's just a chorus of. That, that, a frog or a bug. <laughs> that may be the cricket frogs you're hearing. 
because uh, uh-huh. they when they sing or when they call, it's in large numbers. Yeah, it's just a loud sound. Uh, of course, there's there's also insect possibilities, but it sounds like cricket frog. All right, uh, William. Always good to hear from you. Uh, Job, I believe, found the um, the east. What was the toad uh, that you mentioned, Joe? Eastern narrowmouth toad. Oh, there it is. Is that it? Yeah, and I was wondering if that's what William was thinking is the spring peeper that he heard. That one does. <laughs> All right. Good to hear from you, William. Thanks for the call. You know, that one is, uh, I'm sure the lady toads like that, but that one sounds very distressed to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's one that breeds uh, in a ditch very near my house. I can walk out at night. uh, Not right. It's a little early for it to happen yet. uh, But if we get lots of rain, I can find those breeding out in front of my house, say in late June, July. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting this hour with our friend Joe McGee talking about frogs. Uh, If you have a question or if you have a pet question or a brush with wildlife you'd like to tell us about, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. Next on the line, we've got Wade in Vicksburg. Good morning, Wade. Go ahead, please. Good morning. How are you all today? We're doing good. What do you have for us? So there used to be a annual survey of the frogs uh, that you could volunteer for, and I didn't, I haven't been able to find that on the net in a while. I didn't know if they still that and still call for that. Uh, yes, uh, I know what I know what you. I think I know what you're talking about. I used to do that. A number of people across the state, and it has been terminated it's not done anymore it was called the north american amphibian monitoring project okay uh n-a-a-m-p okay. and it was it was really a worthwhile thing I, I was really sorry it stopped i had a yeah. route that i did and uh you would drive along and stop at pre-determined uh, locations and you get out of your vehicle turn out the lights Wait a, wait a minute or two for things to settle down, and you listened for five minutes, at least five minutes. And uh, then it would go to the next stop. And it's, I, I just think it's really unfortunate that that was terminated. It was a part of the U.S. Geological Survey. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, think I always wanted to participate in it and never got to because I'm, I'm kind of a sound person. I, I, yeah. I have a hard time visually identifying things but i can hear things and and know what it is most of the time right uh, well so I, this sound this sound thing that y'all are doing right now i just absolutely eat it up i love it because at one time i had memorized all the different sounds for the different types of frogs in the in the state and uh really looked forward to a, an opportunity a, a time where i could do that and this year happened to, but I couldn't find any info on it. So I guess they, yes, they did terminate yeah. it. It's been terminated. I'm, I'm, re- I'm sorry about that. I wish you could uh, participate. You uh, you could do things on your own. You say you live in Vicksburg or near Vicksburg? Originally from Vicksburg, so. Uh, you could visit some of your local bodies of water, ponds, ditches, right. uh, and, whatnot, and, and, do, and you know, do your own little surveys. That's what I do. I continue to... A okay. survey in my area, uh, and uh, I find it, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, frogs are just you such know, a good indicator of health. You can on Mississippi Naturalist. What was that, Libby? 
you can post what if okay. you if you go out and listen to on um, the frogs and wanna share that information. You can go to uh, oh, there's a, a Facebook group called Mississippi Naturalists, MS Naturalists, and um, it's really a good group of people. And you would find a lot of people that would probably be very interested in what you post about the the frog song. Okay, cool. Very cool. All very right. Cool. And, yeah, Thank so maybe you can kind of get, get one uh, started again, maybe not on a massive scale, but uh, locally <laughs> here. And that does sound like other people would enjoy uh, finding out what you're hearing when you go out. And, again, you know, if you have a family and you're looking for things for your kids to do to avoid being cooped up uh, during the summertime, uh, that might be a fun family outing is to go around and, and try to, you know, identify what uh, kind of not only frogs but other sort of natural sounds that you're, you're hearing. This is Creature Comforts. On M- Go I ahead. Agree more. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to take our last break of the hour on Creature Comforts. We've been talking about the frogs and other amphibians with our guest, Joe McGee. We'll wrap up the program after this break, so stay tuned. There is time to get your question answered or tell us about your... Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield, and our guests for today, Joe McGee. If you want to join the conversation, still a little bit of time to work in a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show as well. Just send it to animals at mpbonline.org. So our last caller, Wade, mentioned how he enjoys the, this show because he, he loves sound. And these are the kind of the types of shows where we get to play a lot of sounds. And radio is all about sound. So uh, we're going to play another one. Uh, earlier in the show, we were talking about the, the Fowler Toad. And I think Java found the call on that one. Joe, I don't know if it's just me or not, but the, these toads, the, these calls seem awfully, I don't know, desperate, despondent, something. I, it, it's I, the, the frogs seem happier to me. I don't know. Maybe that's just my take on it. Oh, you're saying the toads seem desperate? Well, that that we had that bleeding one, and that one just, I mean, it just sounds so, oh, please, I need a mate, please. That's, that's probably just your perception. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, they're all saying please to the female. Right. <laughs> please choose me. But uh, uh, the Fowler's toad, that, I grew, that's one I grew up with. That, that really brings back lots of memories, seeing the uh, – there was a place where I could see them actually calling. Toads are actually uh, cooperative. You can get really close to them at night, and they sort of stay in place. If you get too close to a frog, it's going to jump. It's going to really leap a long way away from you. Uh, so, what about uh, the frog and uh, the frog? The frog and I just made a new creature, a, fr- a frog. Uh, the frog and toad population in uh, Mississippi Do, is it is it healthy, Joe? For for some species and probably for most species, the answer is yes, but not for all. There's one little frog uh, that may be extirpated from the state. It's one called the ornate chorus frog, 
and I was wanting to photograph it, to record it and photograph it, and I contacted some people who do a lot of work with uh, herps in uh, South Mississippi, and uh, they they haven't documented it in, in a number of years, and it may be extirpated from the state, probably because of habitat loss. But otherwise, I think most of the others are okay. I can't say that for sure about every species, but the, the, the ones we've mentioned this morning, they do seem to be secure for the time being. All right. We've got some callers on the line again, so we begin again uh, with Carrie in Biloxi. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. My question is, um, are greenhouse frogs found in Mississippi? Yes. The answer is yes. That's that adds one to our list of frogs. Uh, they have been documented in Mississippi, and I assume they're still present. They've been found in the co- in areas in the coastal counties. They've been found in the Jackson area and some other areas of the state. It's a non-native species. We don't know what the effect of this introduced species will be on the native species, but the answer to your question is yes. They are found in Mississippi. Um, I, as I understand it, they don't. The immature stage is not aquatic. Yes, that's right. They, and, it, and it goes directly from the egg to to. Uh, there's no tadpole stage. Yeah, the tadpole stage develops in the egg, if you will. Uh, that's right. They don't, and that's pro- probably facilitated their being introduced into Mississippi through nursery stock, your plants or something being moved in from yeah. from Florida or some or some other area. How they got to Florida is, well, I'm not sure, probably the same way. They're not native to Florida either. I didn't know that. Where did they come from? I think they come from the Caribbean, Cuba and uh, uh, islands in the Caribbean. Okay, well, if if they're here, then I think I've got them in my yard. (laughs) And where do you live, please? Well, I live live in uh, about 15 miles north of the beach, about 10 miles north of the interstate in Harrison County. Okay, Harris, Harrison County, that was what I was... Yeah, yeah, you could definitely have them in Harrison County. That was what I was wanting to hear, uh, yeah. what county you live in. Yeah. All right, Kerry? They have, a, have you heard the song? They have a beautiful little little bird-like call or song. Yes. All right, Kerry, thanks for the call. Glad to hear from uh, you this hour during Creature Comforts. Uh, let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Uh, next, we'll talk to Lois in Quitman. Good morning, Lois. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, I've been sitting on the porch, and I've been enjoying the birds. I've been feeding them, so I have a multiple. And these birds were going, chewy, 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 and the other they go, chomp, 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 <laughs> And then I had one last night, and he was going, nice, nice. <laughs> I enjoy them. You hear me? Yeah. All right. Thanks for the call, Lois. Good to see that, uh, you know, uh, Libby, I think that's one of the great things about nature. You can sometimes go out and see it, but uh, if you can't see it, and as a perfect example with our frogs, we can we can certainly enjoy the, the sounds and the calls that they make. Uh, Joe, uh, when we talk about frogs and toads in Mississippi, um, would would one be on the average bigger than the other, or do we get a size range in, in both fro- frogs and toads? Uh, there's a size range in both frogs and toads. We have a tiny little toad uh, called the oak toad found in South Mississippi. It's quite small. Uh, and then we have the uh, cricket frogs and the chorus frogs, which 
average about an inch long. And then we have the bullfrogs, which can be about eight inches, you know, in full adult can be about eight inches long. And speaking of bullfrogs, by the way, on two different, actually three different rainy nights, I have seen huge bullfrogs hop in the road. In fact, I got out and photographed one of them one night. Uh, so, yeah, the, the range is from the tiny little cricket frogs up to the gigantic, if you will, bullfrogs. So, Joe, you've mentioned uh, photographing a couple of times. Tell us a little bit about your uh, photography project. Yeah, uh, well, I'm, first let me say I'm really quite the amateur. I'm not a professional photographer at all. It all started with someone at the museum, Tom Mann, asked me if I had the ability to record a frog sound. He was interested in hearing the recording of uh, uh, coarse frogs in the area. I live in the eastern part of the state. He's over in the western part. And so I did that with my phone. I put an app on my phone that allowed me to to record the sound. And then I just decided, gee, it might be nice to uh, to photograph some of these frogs I'm hearing. And I announced to the world that I was going to try to photograph every frog species in Mississippi. And that's really quite an undertaking. I doubt I'll ever get that done because they're widely, some are uh, widely distributed. Or, or I should say some species are found only in the northeastern part of the state, others way down. It would involve a good bit of travel, but I have managed to photograph almost all of the frogs in my county. I've gotten 14 species. It's, it's quite an undertaking uh, to photograph frogs, actually. Easy to hear them, easy to record them, but difficult to, to see because you've got to do it at night. So um, <clears throat> if you would tell us a bit more, maybe some tips, of what sort of camera do you use? And, and if someone were to try to venture out and do that, what sort of uh, tips and suggestions would you give okay. them? Okay. Well, first of all, of course, you have to have a, a spot, a, a wetland of some kind, a pond or a ditch where you, you know the frogs occur. And you want to check it out in the daytime because you're going to be doing this at night and you don't want to step in a hole up to your knee or your, or your waist. You, you need to check out the landscape before you go out at night. And, of course, you want permission if it's not your land because mm-hmm. uh, you're going to be out at night with a flashlight. And this day and age, people are suspicious of people out at night around a ditch with a flashlight. So you get all that straightened out, and uh, you just go out and uh, approach the pond or the ditch where the frogs are calling, and you ha- they'll stop. They, at least for me, they usually stop calling when I approach, and I have to stand still for a little while, a few minutes, until they forget I'm there or become relaxed and decide I'm not a predator. And then using the flashlight, I've got to find the frogs. And it's, it can be difficult for some of these small frogs, the spring peepers, the coarse frogs. Uh, even the green tree frogs, as, as large as they are, they are over an inch long, some are close to two inches long, and very showy. They can be difficult to find at night with a flashlight. But once I find them, I just ease in. And I have a film camera. I, 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 I'm not a... Uh, it was actually a gift. I did not even buy the camera. Someone gave me the camera. But I have really enjoyed uh, photographing the frogs with it. All right. Um, and uh, so just a, maybe a small flashlight, and you've got to light them up and then, uh, I guess, get them when you can. Uh, but that's uh, interesting. And I think if uh, <clears throat> I read my script correctly, you sent a couple of uh, pictures uh, to Java. So maybe we can uh, post those uh, on the website when we uh, archive this for our, our podcast. Yeah, one of those was a cricket frog. I actually sent it to Libby as well yesterday. I photographed it behind my house back in March, and I believe one of them was a green tree frog I photographed last summer behind the house, and then a uh, a squirrel tree frog I photographed at a little pond 
they're in my yard, but I photographed that one. It's actually calling in the photograph, uh, and I photographed that one last summer. All right. Uh, Joe, always a pleasure to have you on the show with us. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by listeners like you. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Liz Gill. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest Joe McGee, I'm Kevin Farrell. Up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. Tune in next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Conference. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.